everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Hunting season has officially started. Uh, I'm sitting in the truck right now recording this, watching Sam Soholt and Ted make a stalk on a pronghorn. So the season is underway. We're having a lot of fun out here, and we're going to be coming out with some cool videos about that soon. But before that, we're going to be coming out with the elk videos that we recorded last season. Since we've started elk hunting, we have saved those videos for a year after the fact. So those videos are going to be coming out really soon. We're going to have two really awesome series where both Jake and Ted shot bulls. So be looking forward to that. And also in this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the things that we have learned in the last couple of years while elk hunting. How this podcast came about is we were sitting in the garage talking about hunting like we typically do and I was like hey hold on let's record this there were just a lot of interesting topics coming out about you know different strategies and different situations so I think overall it'll just be beneficial to listen to some of the things that we've learned and some of the things that we wished we could do differently if we ever find ourselves in similar situations so before we get into the podcast wanted to let you guys know that we have partnered with the social media platform go wild Go Wild is a free social community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. So as you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So to get started, all you got to do is visit DownloadGoWild.com and then you can post to social media without being worried about being censored. All right, let's talk different elk hunting strategies. All right, well, should we just continue on with our conversation about elk? Yes. Where, right. where were we at? Well, I think... What the, were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about what we learned basically from being too aggressive or not aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over the last few years yes. because there's there's all these conflicting ideas i guess out there i would i don't know maybe not conflicting but there's a bunch of different ideas out there about how to elk hunt especially during the rut yeah like different styles of hunting and different styles of hunting that work in different scenarios i guess what's your guys's opinion on um like the first week of archery season like first week of september compared to later in the season i don't know when we went it was like was it the last day of august when we got there yeah yeah it was like that it was the day before season opened i can't even i don't know what you're looking at because you got those glasses (laughs) on that's good (laughs) it's 11 o'clock at night and he's sitting over here in a chair with reflective sunglasses on (laughs) They're pugs to be exact. Oh, <laughs> he's got his pugs Man, on. Man, look good. They look sharp in the I, dark. Yeah. <laughs> look like gas a, station pug. Look what? like you belong <laughs> in a Tom Cruise film. <laughs> one of them top. One of them Top Guns or whatever. I do belong in that. Oh. So anyway, we got there on the last day of August. We that's when we saw that herd of like 300 elk in one big group. Is that right? Yeah. The next morning. Yeah. There's your theme. <laughs> <laughs> sunglasses at night yeah. <laughs> just have that as background the whole time yeah. <laughs> all right moving on so like cold front was actually had come through so it was pretty cold um we were up high super high and we were scouting and we saw a group of like 300 elk 
and they were a few of the bulls were bugling some but they were mostly just traveling and feeding and then i think on opening that first day it was just mostly bulls yeah it was yeah i think it was just straight like seven bulls the first day we hunted yeah first day we scouted we saw those elk yeah but we didn't hear anything bugling and then the first day we hunted, we went to that face that I was talking about a while ago that has all the benches that were cut mm-hmm. so you could glass into it as long how, as you got at the right angle. And how far were you guys from that when you were glassing it? Like how many miles or yards was it away from where you were sitting to glass it? And were you always glassing it from oh, the it same spot? Oh, it wasn't even a mile. No, wasn't very far. Three quarters of a mile, half mile? Mm-hmm. Probably. It was I mean, really steep drainage. So basically... We were up on one side of the drainage, probably 7,500 feet up, mm-hmm. and then we were looking straight across it. And when but you, to, to go down and across that thing would have been darn near impossible because yeah. it's like Whitewater Rapids yeah. River at the yeah. bottom of it. Now, here's, here's so one other question. you're looking straight across at him. <laughs> was that a fart? <laughs> Good yeah, job, Jacob. Yeah, I sat in the vehicle all day. Coming right at oh, me. Oh, so you didn't fart while you were driving in the vehicle no, all day. that's why I'm stretching out right now. Okay. Get out of me. All right. <laughs> just keep telling your little story. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, I was going to ask. When you're looking across there, across that drainage, can you see that whole face easily, or is there terrain still that they could tuck behind that you could have lost them? Like, was you there could anything? lose them, but you could uh, – a little of both. But I mean, for the most part, you could see them. You could see them. Yeah. As long as they were up moving around, you could see them pretty effectively. When they got bedded out there, it was di- more difficult. But there was some, there was Did some you like ever little see cuts. Bed? Yeah, we we could see them bedded. Did mm-hmm. you see the bulls bedded? Yeah, the day before the season. I mean, we pulled off on the side of the dang road. Yeah, and I yeah, and they were... ripped a bugle, and I looked down right below us, and I'm like, "Holy crap, Ted! The biggest freaking <laughs> bull we've seen in the last two days is standing here. He just yeah. stood up. He literally heard me bugle." And stood up and was looking in my direction for me. And I was only 400 yards from him. And he was just standing down yeah, there. I and I was looking that. at him. I'm like, why in the hell is he so close to this road? But then I realized why. Because yeah. he was across that river. And it's impossible, pretty much, to go down and get to him. Yeah. Like you had to, yeah, you could see him. Mm-hmm. But to get to him and within bow range of him, that was a whole other deal. Yeah. yeah. So after we saw him that day and we glassed him on that hill and then we actually saw another bull over there we went in there the next morning we got up real early we waded the river with trash bags and everything and that was a debacle from hell (laughs) i mean eventually you got your wiggies though oh and now i got them wiggies boy i wish i'd have had them wiggies on that little side note wiggies is from based out of colorado will not ship to colorado (laughs) how weird is that that is real weird so i had to have them shipped here to Iowa and not interesting. I sent them to Greg and Mindy's house. It's just the weirdest thing. But anyway. They want you to go in store and buy them or what's the deal? No, they'll send them out of state. Something about, I don't know. I honestly can't even really remember what she said. I was just like, that's one of the weirder things I've ever heard. So (laughs) anyway, this this was pre-Wiggies or pre- Before we had knowledge of the Wiggies. So we used contractor bags and they failed immediately. (laughs) <laughs> and we got a little wet, but we made it across eventually. And then we hiked like two and a half miles or something like that around. It might not even been that far because we took kind of a shortcut through there. Yeah. 
we got on over on that face where we could glass into it and we didn't hear a bugle all morning and then all of a sudden we got around the bend where we could see into that face and we just started picking bulls out left and right so i guess this is a long-winded way of answering your question what are elk doing in that first week that was september 1 and we saw seven bulls they were they were like fighting uh sparring rubbing trees yeah the one was covered in mud from a wallow yeah but they were not bugling much yeah they were hanging out almost like bachelored up still yeah yeah i don't think they bugled at all that first at least that we could hear i mean they were pretty far from us but i think we would have been able to hear him bugling yeah well did you hear him from that same area later in the in the hunt yes yeah but not that day that yeah. day, we eventually watched them bed down, and then we tried slipping over there, getting tight to them like we were talking about a while ago. Basically, you're glassing them from a distance. You're watching them get comfortable and stop moving so much, and then actually seeing one or two of them bed down and, and the rest of them going around the bend. Then we basically waited for the thermals to switch, so they're pulling way up the hill. Wasn't that the case? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were waiting for the thermals to switch, so they were pulling yeah. up, and then we went and tried to get above them. Mm-hmm. And this took hours, you know. So by the time we get over there, it's the heat of the day. It's the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And we tried to wreck them with bugles and everything else, yeah. just get tight to them and bugle at them to see if we could get them fired up to stand up and come over there and check us out. Mm-hmm. And they never answered, and we eventually ran over a couple of them. Yeah. And then didn't see any more, I don't think, did we? Yeah, that first day we just – pretty much ran them over and just sat there and i mean we didn't we didn't push this there were so many bulls there were seven of them and they were Mm -hmm. scattered bedded all across that hillside they weren't all bedded in a pocket so after we bumped the first one um we slowed down a bunch which i think was important if we would have kept going you know we're just bugling all through that thing throughout the rest of the day we probably would have done a lot of harm yeah but we got out of there eventually i mean we we bugled and bugled and glassed and glassed and never saw them again the rest of the day. Yeah. And that took most of the day to get back there. Mm-hmm. And then to get all the way back out. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, that night. That night we glassed them up down the road. Yeah. yeah. They were all out on like a sage flat. Yeah. Which was like probably a mile or mile and a half from where we saw them that morning, I think. Mm-hmm. So they had basically just been slowly working all the way down that bench. Or we could have bumped into them a little bit, you know. Got them that moving one, that way. The one satellite bull that we bumped could have ran through them, and then they followed him. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But we went back to the same spot where we had glassed them the day before, and that's when we saw those three big ones right in one group. Yeah. And they were calm. They were not bugling, but they were, you know, posturing up to one another, acting sort of aggressive, and then they went back into some dark timber on the side of that face kind of like the buck nest bucks just kind of sorting it out a little bit sorting it out yeah i kind of feel like the the reason i ask that is like you know i just feel that you got a month of september and you know everybody wants to find the best date and i don't necessarily know that there is i think somewhat depends on your style like if you like calling to bugling bowls like it's probably not september 1st isn't probably the day but yeah with that being said we had um and 2019 we had pretty good success like the end of the first week of mm-hmm. september yeah. mm-hmm. we started hearing Which them towards is, it was wouldn't you say it was like just a slow progression for that two weeks we were there yeah it was but i was just thinking about when we like that first night 
we went back to camp and there was that herd like right by camp that was yeah. just going nuts that was it that was at that i first think it night. was that first night and there yeah. was bulls bugling and cows mewing and everything yep but the all the face that we were hunting was not like that no. it was just those seven bulls by themselves all depends on where the cows are at and which cows are close mm. to coming in, I think. Yeah. yeah. Because it, the majority of the spots that we checked the day before season and then the first day of season and even the, the morning of the second day, I think, mm-hmm. we did not hear bugling. Mm-hmm. And there was bulls there because we could see them. Right. A lot of it was open country. Mm-hmm. So you're glassing them. And like he said, there's seven of them right. on this hillside and not one of them's bugling. Yeah. But they just were bachelored up. There wasn't a cow in the area, really, that, or within the immediate vicinity that they were too concerned with. But was it the second? It was the second day when I hit and lost that one, wasn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. That day is when we heard them. Yeah. But we, um, I'm trying to think. We didn't see them that morning. We went somewhere else that morning at first light, I think, trying to strike a bull or something. Didn't have any luck. Yeah, I think. I think we were trying to strike off the road or something. Yep. That morning. Yep. And we didn't hear nothing. No. So we went back around and we basically devised a plan to get on that face and get right to that sage flat where we had saw him the night before. Yep. And we got in there and we were bugling occasionally, just slipping along through some darker timber on that face. But... We had just made it past that sage flat where we'd seen him the night before, maybe 200 yards past it, on the same level where we saw him. And Cody is just right up above me and Ted, maybe 40 yards up there, him and Tyler, up the ridge, or, well, mm-hmm. up the face. And he's just and that's, lightly that's mewing. to your left? Well, we're, right walking, or... we're walking a bench down the face. Okay. Well, not down the face, just literally on the bench. Yep. So we're at the same elevation, just wa- sort of I walking gotcha, around gotcha. this bench. And Cody's 40, 50 feet, well, 40, 50 yards above us mm-hmm. on a, another trail. We're just creeping through on trails, mm-hmm. you know. Except he wasn't doing a lot of, like, heavy bugling. No. He it was, was just, just like a oh. dead calm day, and he was yep. just we were just slipping through because those bulls had been there. Yep the night before so we were just trying to get anything to pop off and they did slipping through there but he was just lightly cow calling Mm -hmm. he was just you know and he had done that for a mile down through there you know Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden this freaking bull bugles basically in his bed 100 yards in front of us Mm -hmm. and it was not like blow your hat off but it was like oh you you could hear him, and you could tell he was really close. Mm-hmm. But if you wouldn't have been within 300 yards, you would not have heard him. Yeah. He was that yeah. quiet. Yeah, super It's cool quiet. how they know that, though, too. Like, he's not just going to give his location away to everybody around. He knows that whatever he's hearing, that cow he's hearing, that they can hear it from, like, he, they control their volume like that. Yeah, it's like if I'm talking to you on the other side of the house, I'm going to raise my voice but if if you're right here what's the point of me raising my yeah. voice but and for he, someone that has an elk hunter a lot don't overlook that if you're moving in on one for the first time just mm-hmm. kind of we honestly in, had better mind. luck striking bulls on that trip just doing that just, just creeping like, along lightly cow call yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um that one bugled and he had it had to have sounded pretty natural to him because we were in elk sign the last four or five hundred yards up until that point and like a he said we glassed him the night before right there. Yeah, we stopped at that sage flat. I think we ate lunch there for like 
a little bit. We took a nap. Was, yeah. Cody took his socks off and was asleep for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. And this is within 250 yards where this thing's bedded. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it at the time. And it's dead calm. Like, if any one of them would have bugled down through there, you would have heard it. They did not say a freaking peep. Yeah. Now, you guys are taking a break because you just feel like you want to let it get later in the day, or what What was the reason? Oh, we just went a pretty good ways, and it was, like, time to rest and yeah. eat. Yeah, and yeah. we were at the, I'm pretty sure we were sitting, like, right above that flat. We were. We got so. to that flat. We called. That was the, with that spot where we ate lunch. We got there, and we're like, okay, game on right now. And we called, and nothing. And we listened for, like, 10 minutes, and we're like, yeah, let's just chill for a little bit. This is a good enough spot to rest because we're getting ready to go into some more serious stuff here where there's going to be a heavy sign, basically in between where we glassed the seven bulls and where we saw those three big bulls last basically, night. Basically, you figured you could hear anything down below you if yep. it popped off where you guys are resting mm-hmm. at, which is also real important, it seems like. Yeah. It's just like, just like turkey hunting. There's so many similarities, which – you know, if you're sitting in a position where you can hear a lot, you can be, you can afford to be patient, especially if it's middle of the day. And well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, there was no, I mean, no we rush. had six and a half hours before dark or more. Yep. Yeah. And we were right there in the, in the zone that we needed to be in. Mm-hmm. So we just eventually started creeping again and it wasn't for much further past that. But no. I just think about what that bull's hearing. He's hearing these occasional light cow calls coming down that bench on elk trails because that's where we're walking on mm-hmm. and then he he doesn't pop off it's very similar to turkey hunting mm-hmm. it's like he does not pop off until you get to the point like where he can almost see you mm-hmm. and when he bugled i was like oh crap we that the mistake we made was that we were not right with cody mm. and we had to take you know, a minute and a half to get up to him because yeah. we had to go back, backtrack, and then go up pretty steep terrain and then get up there to because him. Because he was between and you and the bull. Uh, no, he's above us, and uh-huh. the wind is going up. Uh, so you're trying so to circle you, wind you a little bit. you know the bull is going to come to yeah. him because he's yeah. calling, and it's going to go above him. Right, right. So we've not only got to try to get to his position, we got to try to circle and get above it. Yeah. But by the time we get to his position, he's waving like this. He's like, he is coming now we do not have time and we got up there and i literally planted my foot five feet from cody and i could see his antlers down through there or ted saw his antlers maybe first is either that or we heard him bugle one more yeah. time i think we were just sitting there for a while it was a little gap before we could see him okay and he, he must have bugled us. because we got up there and cody's like you got to get in front of this bush you got to you got to yeah. make a move right now and i wished i would have because it would have put me uh, like where tyler was filming from yeah would which would have been just perfect and perfect yeah um but i i he was we were having this conversation this you know frantic one mm-hmm. in the bull bugles i'm like man i can't move he's mm-hmm. right there he's 60 yards like and i'm at that point uh you know if that was two weeks later in the trip after encountering several other bulls i probably would have made that move but Just me and because Ted, he would have had more confidence that yeah, like he could have got away with it. Yeah, but it was so calm. Yeah, and I now, didn't. Do you think, I, I mean, it. He no, literally the next time saying. that he bugled, I mean, he was yeah. the same distance away, and we eventually could see him. Yeah. He was right there. Yeah. Do you just think like based? I guess my question is: Is do you feel like at that point you felt like you couldn't get away with as much with an elk that you? maybe think you can now because i think there's a lot of times i look back especially that first trip where 
it's like, dude, we probably could have just like yeah. really pushed it I because just, they just don't see so good. You know, they're not they don't see very aware. Good. They're not even trying. It doesn't hardly seem no. like, you know, no. they don't see that good. I wish that we would have just eased up the ridge a little bit further um, and just tried to get in the best position because as soon as we stopped right there and he bugled, Cody's six, eight feet above us on the hill. So, you know, the thermals are going up. The bull's going to come right to Cody, right there. Coyotes out there, how? No. Or he's going to go up the hill and be above him where he can mm-hmm. smell him. Either way, we're in pr- a pretty crappy spot. Mm-hmm. Like the only way that we're going to get a shot at him is if, he's, if he comes straight to Cody and he kind of loops around down below us. Mm-hmm. Which he he sort of did, but then he t- he turned and came up the hill and he came right at him. Anyway, we just the the mistake was made before that. We should have been right with him because even when you're turkey hunting, like you don't want to be apart from each other. Because what if right. the sucker gobbles and he's sixty right. yards away and he shows up in fifteen seconds? Mm-hmm. It's like if you've got to close that gap between you and the the other guys. You're just wasting time. Like mm-hmm. we needed to be right there next to him because if we would we were right there when he struck the bull, we could have swung up the hill, mm-hmm. 15, 20 yards, and we'd have been in the perfect position to kill him broadside when he walked into that opening. But we yeah. weren't. I think. And he, but he, back to the bugling, like he didn't bugle very many times. Mm-hmm. He bugled a half a dozen times as he came in, and it was so quiet. Yeah, he. I mean, he was 15 yards from us and bugled. Yep. And it was just super quiet. Just like, I don't know. That was cool to see that. Because you could hear like every note in his bugle. Mm -hmm. And he's standing there. But it was so quiet. Yeah. He didn't want them other bulls to know that he was trying to sweep that cow. He was sneaking in there, yeah. Yeah. But that's what's so interesting to me is like the cows are – like those bulls, what it seemed like was they just were hanging out on that bench and waiting for – cows to come to them almost because yeah, all they were, the cows went to them all eventually. the cows they did the cows eventually ended up over there but those big groups like we saw the day before the season like 300 elk in a group those those they had bulls with them but they're all real young bulls yeah mm-hmm. they're yeah. like two-year-old bulls mm-hmm. mostly mm-hmm. and there's occasionally you know maybe a three-year-old five or six point in those in those big groups of elk but it was it was like, man, we're seeing all kinds of elk, but we're not seeing very many mature bulls at all. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's seven of them yeah, in one group, and they're all big. Mm-hmm. And the three we saw in the sage field were freaking huge, oh, all yeah. three of them, yeah, just right together. But that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, over the course of the next week and a half, from the f- first and second all the way up until – Whenever we killed him, the 13th or yeah, I think the it was 12th. the 12th or the 13th. I mean, more and more cows started coming down mm-hmm. um, and wound up on that bench. And yeah. as more and more cows trickled into that bench, it just got crazier and crazier and crazier until the day we killed him when it was an absolute rut fest on that <laughs> side of the hill. <laughs> coming awesome. down, so were, they, were the cows at a higher elevation yeah. until then? Yeah. I see. All the most of the elk were. Uh-huh. So it seemed like where me and Ted hunted too. It's just like there was like every day just kept getting better and better just because where we were at the wilderness line was lower ele- elevation. 
So it's just like, you know, there's just more and more elk getting pushed down every day just by the weather and hunting pressure, it seemed like. Yeah. But that was interesting to see. Oh, yeah. The the early part of the trip, we'd run into residents that were hunting up in the wilderness at mm-hmm. 10,000. Mm-hmm. And they were coming back on their horses or their buggies or whatever. And they were like, yeah, we saw a huge bull today. He was just ripping it up way up there. And like, well, we can't go up in the wilderness, yeah. uh-huh. you know, because we're non-residents. Yeah. That's we a, saw a lot of elk up high, but then by the end of the trip, they were coming down to that bench. Like mm-hmm. they were s- slowly dropping elevation by the middle of the month. And yeah. By the interesting the, thing though, what, what is compare in comparison is like, I feel like even in late September, the times that I've been in Colorado, it seems like one time with Ben in the first year most of the times with you jake last year and was just like those elk were so damn high like they were at the like they were above the tree line they're mm-hmm. t- twelve thousand feet mm-hmm. and it's just like i mean with that being said the same time of the year or you know a couple of years ago we also were on one that was at like you know seven thousand mm-hmm. so it, i mean they're all across the board but it's interesting it is interesting just how, and you know, one, one thing that I always think about is, you know, we, as and we were talking about this, this story last night, it's like we were going rifle hunting last year and we're like, Oh man, hopefully the elk are down low and it snowed a bunch. It's like yeah. those punks were still at the, we, the first night of the season, we watched four cows at the tip top of the mountain, yeah. you know, well <laughs> above tree line. And here we are thinking like, Oh, they're going to get moved down. Not to say that, like, obviously the weather moves them down. We've all seen that. You know, we've it's all seen that. It's just a slow that. progression over well, time, I also over think, an entire month. Right. And I also think that we take for granted how quickly, if they're at the tip top, they can just be like, see ya. I'm running <laughs> yeah. five and a half miles down, and I'm going to be down there in an hour tops. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. they're just, yeah. if they would just want to trot down a trail right down the ridge. I mean, really, yep. it's way easier for them than us. So I think that's mm-hmm. just a, you know, the, the the getting tossed around of like, oh, they're going to move down. It's like, I mean, you know, even if there is a bunch of snow and it's, you know, late rifle season and there's hunting pressure bumping them, like they'll just, if they can still get up there, they're just going to run right back up there because they're, yeah. they're beasts, boy. Hell, we had them after, right after a snowstorm. It was 13 degrees or something ridiculous that morning. They were up high. Yeah, and they were way mm-hmm. up there. Remember, and then there was another time where we saw, might have been the biggest bull of the trip, way up on top of the mountain. Oh, yeah. like way four on the, other at, cows. Yeah, at, at daylight, it was freezing that morning, freezing cold. And we pulled up where we could glass up there, and literally as soon as we parked the truck, it's like, holy crap, there's a giant bull <laughs> and a few cows right at the very top. We're like, okay, well, as soon as he goes over, let's start up there. Because it didn't look that far. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it took us, like, took us like an hour or more to get up to the top of that thing. Oh, gosh, yeah. And that it was that spot where he was at was where most of the people were hunting at. Yeah. But they weren't going up to the they top. They weren't going all the way to the top. But they were coming in from down below. And yeah. Getting on elk, but yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some other things like earlier we were talking about being aggressive and not being aggressive and timing and and all that like well you were talking about some of the mistakes or whatever 
that we that you guys had made and as you were talking about those i was like yeah we made a lot of those same mistakes where you basically you basically start in the morning off trying to locate elk you're either trying to listen for elk or you're trying to glass them or both Mm -hmm. and then you do that you find them but you wait for them to bed down Mm -hmm. or stop moving and then you sort of devise your plan to go in there and cody calls it midday madness yeah where you just go in there and try to wreck things Mm -hmm. once they get to one spot and that works that worked on that bull we were just talking about where we got in there and we cow called real soft and Mm -hmm. he answered and we called him right in um but that was more like we were saying like soft calls that was i feel like we've done it both ways where you just run in there and start bugling or you know real loud it just depends on the freaking elk man and its temperament Mm -hmm. and like how yeah and what he's doing yeah if there's if there's cruising it's way different yeah and if we called a bunch of cruising in the first year i think it's way different than what your guys' situation was in Tawani and then ours was last year with Jake and those guys is like we were hunting two totally different ways than we were that first year. The first yeah. year we were hunting nothing but solid timber, couldn't see anything. You're hearing one and I I really believe they were cruising bulls more yeah. than they were bulls with cows. Right. Yeah. Like But that's a I mean, totally different scenario where right. you got just miles and miles and miles of nothing but dark timber. Right. It's That's really how hard to find each other. It's hard to get, yeah, it's hard to get a gauge on what they're doing too, and you can't see them. You're just doing it all just mm-hmm. based off your ears. Yeah, but yeah, like you just said, that's they probably do. But in a way, though, so so in a way, I think that caters more to that more aggressive yeah, calling style sure, yeah. where you want to sure move that. and bugle. Oh, move definitely, and bugle. Cause because we had that a couple of days on our trip too, where we finally got in some of that dark timber and Cody's like, Oh yes, finally, this <laughs> yeah. is the stuff I yeah. want. Uh-huh. We got he's close like, a couple, yeah. couple of times. That he's time. like, we are going to call in a bull today. He said, I guarantee you we're going to call one in today. Yeah. And we called in two or three different ones <laughs> yeah. in one day. Yeah. But we finally had found that what we had been dealing with before that was that patchy sort of, you know, pocket of timber here and then yeah. wide open here. So it was glassing and trying to get close to them. Mm-hmm. But what we were doing and it wasn't working was we were bedding them mm-hmm. in the morning and then we were waiting, we were cooking breakfast, waiting for the thermals to switch. And we'd get up there about twelve thirty, one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Is that and not we, exactly what we were doing? <laughs> and we like, would just exactly. The same. We just did not have much success uh, no. doing that. Like getting up there and trying to, trying to stir them up. But that yeah. was the first. Like this goes back to your time frame thing. Mm-hmm. That's the first ten days of September mm-hmm. when we we're, and I get to thinking about it and like as because we we're in a position where we could observe their behavior mm-hmm. while we we're listening to them, and they just were not acting all that ruddy. No, not at first. Not even, at all. Even that first 10 days, you could see the cows yeah. starting to filter in. Uh-huh. And they were just like occasionally bugling, not running cows around, just sort of hanging with them. And occasionally you'd have two or three bulls and one of them would get kind of antsy and push a few cows here and there and, and bugle once. But it was not, it just was not like super rutting behavior. It was still pre-rut. But we were treating them like we were going in there and really trying to get a rise out of them at one in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And a few times we got them to bugle, but they would bugle like once. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you're just dropping straight into 
trying to get them to come in fighting you. Yeah. Like you're just going there screaming, bugling at them. Yep. Yep. Well, and here, so here's what I think is the reason for that. Like, if you look at the experience that Cody has, the born and raised guys in general, like hunting in Oregon and doing a lot of hunting in dark timber, like we said, like that strategy has been really productive for them because. I mean, oh, hundred percent. You know, it's just That's like a, he's but it's like, a totally man, give me a week. Scenario. We are going to walk our butts off, and we are going to go until we find the one uh-huh. that wants to do this. Right. And that's what we did, and yeah. it worked because we called in several bulls doing that. But that's the thing: is if you have the ability to observe their behavior, you might be able. This is just my hypothesis, anyway, and I'm not good enough at this yet. To know. Yeah, we're, just, we're we're having this conversation because we're learning about right. it. And we're trying to help each those other guys, be better. Yeah. Those situation. guys know they can mm-hmm. see them and know what sort of mood they're in. Or like uh, Elk Nut Paul, yeah, he knows. Right. Or like Corey mm-hmm. knows. They've been around these things enough. Mm-hmm. But that was the interesting thing. Was man, we would go in there like a bull in a china shop, and they just were not ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It and seems like would, if they have cows, most times when you go in there doing that, they want to just swoop their cows and push them away. Yeah. Like, yeah. They don't want to fight it's if they don't have to. It's a classic story. It's a classic story every time you hear you hear about it. Now, here's the thing, you know, here's my theory, or what I would like to try in that situation more, is not timing from the season as much even as timing of the day. Jake, we never, ever started a calling sequence later than one. You know, had we, what would have happened if we would have just waited till 4 p.m.? We just never did that. We just always went right to the X. We knew exactly where they were because we'd hear them, hear them, see them, whatever, and, and know exactly where they were bedded. And we'd go in there right in the middle of the day, getting real crazy aggressive, literally knowing these things are bedded. I mean, they're making, they're bedded, we're... We're hearing them bugle, bed bugle, like uh-huh. they're never moving. Yeah, I think if you're going to go in there aggressive, off. it would definitely be uh, you'd be better off waiting until later in the day, not the middle of the day. Whether think think want, about trying to be lazy, it seems like. <clears throat> think about the night before you shot the one. How crazy things got, and that's the time to me where you can be wild and calling uh-huh. because there was literally three bulls or more, maybe bugling and running around there's uh-huh. elk all over us it's like at that point they're already up and moving yeah. and i felt like that was I, that i thought we were actually about to shoot one multiple times uh-huh. that night basically you're trying to match the vibe of whatever the elk are yeah. doing i mean if, if they're screaming that's probably acceptable to go in there screaming but if <laughs> yeah. they're going in on a bedded group Herd. of elk you don't just all of a sudden start ripping the bugle from 80 yards away yeah and i feel like that's one thing that you know the day that we finally did end up killing the one that's just that was the approach was slower was much slower uh-huh. much slower yeah you just, like just knew there was a build-up to and the we had bugling. Like we it. worked in there like a couple cows you know and then all of a sudden started mixing in some be- like ben and them started mixing in some bugles from back behind us and i think well maybe you were the first one to bugle but it, like that we waited a lot longer to bugle you know it was just like kind of a build-up of some cows coming in and a couple bulls did you all know they were in that basin oh, yeah. or whatever? Oh, yeah. yeah, they were screaming their heads so, off. So, so you, had, you had some inf- intel. Yeah. Let's backtrack a little bit. The night before, all hell broke loose. We had actually watched a big bull go into this basin. We lost track of him. We glassed it all day. Probably 5 o'clock, 
or later, maybe even like 5.45, like thinking, saying it gets dark at 7. Like we had not much time. They're way the hell below us, like so far down there, and they're just going nuts. They're like Multiple. two miles below us. <laughs> yeah, and I said, they're only about 400 feet down there. <laughs> <laughs> and we took off running. Me and Better looking at each other like, like, can we even possibly make it to where these things are at by the time it gets dark out? And we're both just like, I don't know if we can we do it. We did the same exact thing. <laughs> and Zach, Zach's trying to. <laughs> Except we could see them. Zach's uh-huh. trying to bullshit us and tell us, oh, they're only a couple hundred yards down there. <laughs> Me and Ben both know they're not. But it's just like, oh, what else are we going to do? We just went sprinting down the mountain. <laughs> Literally running down the mountain. And we get, we ended up almost killing one. They were going so crazy that every, like, we were literally running, but every time we'd stop, we'd, you wouldn't even have to make a call or anything. It's just like you'd stop for five seconds. Well, yep, they're still right there. Yeah, that's how it was. Take off running again. (laughs) It was just like full blown sprint. Uh Just half a mile. I mean, you could just hear them like crushing antlers together, fighting and just going (laughs) freaking ham. So so we go in and we, we almost killed the one. Right, and like we we basically are still on run mode, but then it was like, hey, we need to listen because there was one maybe on this side of the drainage. So we're running down with a creek on our right, and the majority of the bulls bugling are like just down across that creek. But we're staying on our side, thinking it's safe, and then we'll cut in on them, you know, cut down across. Yep. Well, we're moving in, and we stop, and luckily we heard the one close, and we're like, ooh, like he's right here. And we made just a few more steps. I think you saw him, and he was just kind of meandering, cornering to us. Uh-huh. And he and he got wind, and he bounded out, and he stopped. He looked the other way, and it was like Jake's at full draw, and it's like, ah, just, <laughs> nah, probably not. So we didn't shoot, and moved over, and those bulls went nuts. Never got them. This is a short, you know, the short version of it. But they went nuts, and we were in. We them left were, them bugling that night too, and yeah. like they were just moved, moving up and away from us. So we did. We knew we didn't spook them. So mm-hmm. we climbed up that night in the dark and ended up camping conveniently right across the creek. Just as it got higher up, you know, we just camped on the other side, and they were over here. When we left them, and then we slept over here. Woke up the next morning, didn't hear anything, and we're like, dang kind of down in here a little bit lower than what we wanted to be we'd rather be up higher and somebody like you know went to nature calling and went on the other side of the rock and comes back and is like hey like we're good they're all over there they're going nuts and we just went up and sat on the rock and at the, there's a whole side story to this but that's when colin and roy were doing their whole yeah go get the in reach thing so yeah we're waiting for them and they're getting down to us and you know we we make up over that yeah. <laughs> whole deal because we've been split up for a while at that point, like a, a half a day or better. Really kind of went rogue on Colin there and scared him. And Yeah, and, and, and the whole, like, splitting up was just a bad. It was just – it the whole in-reach, and it, it's just a whole story in itself. But <laughs> anyway, we you meet You guys up. found the elk and then pursued them and like learned a lot about where they were at and what they were using yeah we just sit there sat there from seven o'clock in the morning till like 11 like and we would do that every day though they pretty yeah. much didn't you know they got right to where a whitetail would bed on a ridge you know right yeah right, right on to the nose the, and they didn't move you know and he's still be, and then the bugling just slowly got quieter and quieter but it's like all right well there there's at least one bedded right there and there was three of them in there last night so so we went up and circled up and um around him got the thermals in our favor basically 
if you what get time a, in the morning? This was probably eleven forty-five. Yeah, eleven. I feel like by the I time we got that. across, probably it was eleven forty-five. I bet yeah. So like, imagine, imagine like the head of a ditch, kind of, and we as it started to tighten up and flatten out we just they were down here on the nose and we just kind of went up and around the head of that ditch and get the wind i see coming up yeah and it was really great i mean damn we got in a good wind and it was just nice yeah. <laughs> and we just had talked about it the night that's before always when that's like the common theme whenever you talk about less successful archery is the freaking wind, the wind. yeah that was what was getting us every time yeah, yeah so it was just so perfect and we we moved in and we had talked about it the night before, like we're gonna, we're gonna change our style, or you know, the night or day, maybe two days before. I don't really know, but we we started to decide we needed to change our our pace a little bit, especially if we're going in in the middle of the day. And it was like those guys, Colin and Ben, were like, Jake, you lead. You're like gonna shoot. I went with Jake filming, and then those guys were like, we'll stay back. Roy will stay with Ben, and Colin will just like be raker slash, you know, if something funky happens, like, but he's, Colin's kind of playing back, just making a bunch of ground noise. So the kind of the, the cue too is to, we're going to, you'll hear us cow calling. Well, we start and we do a couple cow calls and actually, so imagine it like this. We're looking down, we're almost at the, we're basically at the top of the ridge and it's a finger ridge going down and it drops off hard to our left. And we think he's out in front of us probably at this point when we first started two, three hundred yards. Don't you think is how far we thought we were? Maybe yeah, 200. Like, you could pinpoint him within 100 yards, it felt like most times. You know, they're just bugling on these open face. You know, we're listening to him from straight across and see, even see an elk pop through there. It's like, all right, they're right there. They're you can like draw literally, a line right and we're pinning at. exactly where he is. So, like, we're, we're, we know right how this should be lining up. And we start cow calling. And we hear this bugle way down to our left. Now this is probably the most important part that you can't you can't forget because this is this is our guy. <laughs> this is our hard left, and he's down. And he's like, that's not where he was. It's like, did he move while we were moving over here? And it was like, ah. and we just kind of played it patient. We really, really were patient there. And then our boy starts bugling right where we thought he was. We're like, well, did he? Is he moving? And we just kind of disregarded those two bugles down to our left. And we moved up. Jake and I start moving up. We're creeping through really thick, young timber. I can't see but five yards sometimes. But he keeps bugling, and we just keep slipping up. Well, we quit cow calling because he's bugling just lightly out of the bed enough that we can keep stalking that sound. Well, we keep getting further and further away from the other guys. But they, but they also just generally, you know, using common sense. Like they're using the same. They're easing that direction behind us. Yeah. but I don't think that they they were putting together, like, how quietly he was bugling. That's that's what we were worried about, yeah. Yeah, we didn't know, and we hadn't talked to him in a long time. We're just kind of sneaking in every every time he bugles, we'll sneak a little closer. And we got to a point where it was just like, all right, he's like well, you saw it. 60 I actually yards. was brushing through some footage the other day. You actually saw a cow yeah. at one point. Yeah. And I think we might have even went past that yeah, to keep we, going to his we fo- Yeah, we followed she because she moved down towards him eventually and we followed closer but we got to a point where we figured he was probably like we're, we we figured we'd see tines at some point like real yeah. soon like he's right here like and you can hear him breathing we can't we can't yeah we could <laughs> that's what we started doing in arizona like shoot there goes the shovel 
That's what we started doing in Arizona. Like anytime you heard them bugling, you would literally go at them. And, I mean, you'd slow down in the last 100 yards, but you would go until you saw them. Uh-huh. Like you would you would be creeping along until you either saw their antlers move or you saw an elk mm-hmm. ahead of you. I think it's a great strategy yeah. to do. Especially if they're telling you where they're at yeah. enough. Yeah. Like that's not always yeah. the case, but if they're just going to keep bugling, you might as well just – Yeah, I mean, it's just that's like a, a turkey that's, that's gobbling. That's kind of a Mine side note, like though. That's kind of a different of, difference of turkeys. Like, you do go until you see them in some situations. Some situations. But turkeys can see so much better right. than an elk. Yeah, like, yeah, if, you, if you mess up a little bit and walk around a bush and you see an elk at 80 yards, He's the odds of, like, of him coming out of his shoes are might be licking his ass. He might. Well, I don't, Tom might be out there and he might bust your ass oh, and yeah. run, off, run yeah. over the hill. But anyway, sorry to. That was just a sidebar. Yeah. There. <laughs> but we get to this point where it's just like we got shadows, but, I mean, we can't get any closer where we're going to be able to stay in the shadows. So, like, and I'm not in a good spot where I got, where, where we're kind of hung up at. I can't draw my bow or anything. Like, if this thing gets up and starts coming towards us, like, we're pretty screwed. You also got to remember, too, it's just steep. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's like to our hard left, it's like down, yeah. steep. Like you can stand on it, but I think we were thinking about maybe belly crawling. Like I wanted to get in front of what what you know. I had some trees that were real close where I couldn't draw my bow. I was at least wanting to get in front of those. But the sun was there. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking like, oh, yeah, about that, the... and all of a sudden <laughs> those guys just come flying in from behind us, and I think they cow called. And like I turn around and I see them there, like in plain sunlight. I'm like, oh no, these things are about to spook. So in a panic, like I jumped in front of this branch that was in front of me just because like if these things start to spook i at least want to be able to draw my bow if they're like i really thought that the elk were just going to start running so when i did that i spooked some elk (laughs) and i think it was like two cows like i definitely didn't see antlers and i think i would have if it was the bull so it's like so it's like here we've hit this like we've hit the the wall right yeah you cannot go any further and i mean as soon as jake's like you know hat bell touched it it's just like right away just like bugle and zach bugles and like i think it sounded like he had moved down like he was running away with the cows yeah. i think oh yeah and zach bugled and he must have just been like oh hell no like there's a bu- there's a bull mm-hmm. up there and he's like i gotta come around turn around and face this guy and like he just got like as fired up as they get you know yeah, he's coming and raking and breathing real heavy and at one point ben was behind us and just went through the call and i kid you not immediately he did that right back mm-hmm. just started, he was like, doing that a lot like as he's raking yeah it was wild <laughs> it was sweet and but that wasn't off. the one that you guys shot no so remember our, the two bugles i said oh, yeah. earlier oh yeah Old so, cruiser bowl down so below there eventually i saw him at like 50 60 yards coming right up the trail that we're standing on he got to that point where i could see him real good and he knew that he should be seeing some movement up there he stood there for a while took a couple more steps towards that was bugling yeah and then eventually he turned around and went back down towards where his cows were who you kind of like to think in a way was like the super mag that like we were right but Uh you know you you kind of wonder but it's kind of fun to just daydream i kind of like to think of him he's like a 15 year old six point you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) he wasn't any bigger antler than the one we shot if anything he might have been a little smaller but he was the one that had the cows right 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 because i saw him for a little while there and like even his body just didn't seem as like uh, yeah, I never thick saw as that one we killed. So so 
we get to a point where like Jake and I are talking back and forth, like we, we just need to get a different angle because obviously something startled some elk we bugled and it saved the situation and he started going crazy. But like right now he's hesitant to this spot. He needs to see something. Yeah. And I, I have a, like a, just a classic clip of Jake Talent, you know, saying that like, why don't you go back and tell those guys? And cause Colin, he had bugled now and he's like 200 yards down the oh mountain. Yeah, like he's, he's going down. away. And yeah. we also, and, and really we also felt like we needed to just get a different angle. He wasn't going to go far. He was going to be on that ridge. He'd been there for the last, 24 hours yeah and we just felt like we needed to get it give it a break give it a different angle try it again and i really think had we done that i think we would have been in a really good i think that would have been a good move we felt confident doing like i wasn't even worried about like moving or giving up for a minute Mm -hmm. trying something else i turned to call to go back to colin and i i'm not kidding man i take maybe one or two steps i lock eyes with colin on the trail and i just hear a bugle completely different direction than where the one that we've been calling to like but way closer than way closer and 60 yards and i'm like i'm totally confused as to what just happened and i can tell colin is too i turn back to jake and jake's already full draw <laughs> <laughs> we, we had both walked like 10 yards back on the trail though and like that thing bugled and we both just like must have ran back down to other <laughs> positions we were in and as soon as i stopped I looked to my left and I could see him like coming up the mountain. Luckily, he had his head down, but like I probably could have seen him if I was looking there the whole time. But he's just trying to get over a bunch of deadfall and stuff, so he's looking down at that and he's just <laughs> he was just crashing up over a bunch of dead trees. How far? Oh, he's probably twenty-five yards yeah. when I first saw him. Oh, like, jeez. And, fr- and, and Ben <laughs> and Ben had already been drawing on him go past too. Yeah. Ben yeah. thought he was going to kill him too. He was and he, he was just moving fast going. I think past as ben. soon as he like. I was drawn stopped, and I, th- I could still hear you walking, and I was just like, oh, boy, he, he's not going to know he's here. And then you saw me drawn back, but I think right as you stopped, I think he saw him, but there, it was so thick. Like, it was a, it was honestly it was, a good thing that he saw him probably. Yeah. But he just froze for a while there, and I'm drawn back, and I, I got a frontal shot at him, but there was some stuff in the way where I, I, I would have done it if it was clear, but it wasn't clear enough to do. But if he was going to wheel and turn or something, I would. I had a window picked out where I could shoot him, and I thought he might do that because I knew that he had saw something up there. And he looks right up towards Zach for I don't know, probably wasn't near as long as that. Probably just a couple five, seconds because I didn't even notice he yeah. did it. And then all of a sudden he just like starts going straight for Zach, bulldozing <laughs> and just cli- like climbing, climbing like lo- like multiple logs, like four logs stacked <laughs> on each other. He just goes right up and over. It was crazy. <laughs> and he was even like, we're, we're all pretty convinced unless, unless it was one of us and we don't realize it, that he was actually mewing coming in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That bull that we were talking mm-hmm. about a while ago mm-hmm. that we called in with Cody that when he was just doing that soft cow yep. con, mm-hmm. that real quiet bugling mm-hmm. bull, he mewed two or three times coming in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I thought think- it was a cow. Yeah. But then going back at the footage, there was no cow. It was him doing that the yeah. whole time. Yeah. yeah, and then if you if you're listening to this before the video comes out, <laughs> right before the shot, if you pay attention, you'll hear like someone going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 "That's me trying to stop the bull. It's not anything that they're doing." <laughs> I, just, I didn't know what else to do though, because like he was so close that I didn't want to startle him. That's yeah. exactly what you do. Is this? 
<laughs> I was giving a box Give a little grunt. I know that's exactly what you do. But the thing literally, yeah, just comes right at me and he shoots it and it's insane. And it's like, it's, it's closer to me than it is Jacob. Uh-huh. But the, the thing that I think was different about that is the approach was slower. Mm-hmm. We did the same thing we'd been doing every day. We just like didn't go in there and just. But you all killed him in the middle of the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. one o'clock. That was uh, late September, mid September? Late. 21st. Oh, so that's like right in the peak. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's peak right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the day then, Ted? It's <laughs> <laughs> my, my brother's birthday. Is it? You, you killed that ball on his birthday? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's good. That yeah, the good. elk, we, we didn't get on a lot of midday in early September. A lot of midday bugling. Occasionally, no. we and me we, and Ted had really good luck midday when we were there in late September. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that why we strategy. didn't is because it was just like we were getting on elk every day and glassing them and in, in the you, game. But I think it was by the just time you guys ended, though, yeah, it was getting ramped. Where that's what's so different about our hunt last year, and then you know in 2019, I was out there from like the first until or whatever, the first day of season until like the 18th of September. And just yeah. to hold how much everything was so different through that much time frame was, it just continues to ramp up. And that's, but that, you know, I think a lot of people say like, oh, I want to hunt them at this time or I want to hunt them when they're bugling the most. I mean, so I think, I do believe some of that depends on your style and where you're, what location you're in. Because it's like, if you like to stalk them and you don't want to call you know, maybe you're better off hunting earlier when they're bachelored up and they're not as many elk around. Because well, I mean, it's gonna that's be definitely to... when we got on the biggest bulls of the trip was early in the mm-hmm. trip. Yeah. Because we had them somewhat patterned. Mm-hmm. They did the similar things for two or three days in a row. And we could get in pretty tight to them. We could find them because we knew where they were at. They didn't move very far. And then once we got in tight to them, I mean, it worked just like we drew it up. He came straight in. I mean, I shot the thing at 10 yards. I just shot through, like you were just saying, Jake, you passed on that frontal shot when you had brush in front of you, which is real important. I did not. I took the shot. And I had one little cedar bough in between me and the bull at 10 steps, and I just thought, I I saw some daylight in it, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this thing will be fine running through there. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It totally altered the course of the arrow, and I hit him in the shoulder and, and just on the front you know i mean mm-hmm. it just wasn't gonna do it like they're even if it broke the shoulder it was at such an angle where it's not gonna get it was going anything. outside of yes, the vitals it, oh yeah yeah like it was almost curved it was curved so bad that it was heading back out like through the bone exiting into the air behind his shoulder i don't even know how to put that yeah I know what you're talking about, but, though. Angled yeah. away from vitals. Luckily, basically. the bull was fine. He was alive and well, and bugling and wallowing. Two days later, he wouldn't. He wasn't even phased by it. But <laughs> he said, "What bit me?" <laughs> that I guess that was the thing. It's like the biggest bulls of the trip that we got on were or early in early. the trip that morning that I killed my bull. There were bugling and going bonkers on that hillside. Um, there was obviously several cows that were coming in or close. Because the cows were super vocal, too, as you hear in the video. <laughs> They're just going completely ham. But, yeah, it was definitely getting – the action was heating up more and more every day, and that was the first day when it actually broke loose. And it was like what you guys are saying, mm-hmm. where you're just going in on them and they're bugling. Yeah. Like you don't yeah. 
Yeah, it, I, I'm convinced that the every like you, you got to think too. Every day we had basically the same exact experience, except for we didn't get the one. We didn't get them to come in every day prior to that. We were doing almost exactly the same thing, except for when we did finally kill one, we just went slower. We just let the whole thing play out, and we took our time. It took yeah. us a couple hours instead of just, like, ramming in there, and then it being blown up in 30 minutes, you know? Uh-huh. So, like... That's just how just how ours happened, too. Mm-hmm. Except we went early. We didn't wait. That that was the biggest difference because every other day we had waited and bedded them mm-hmm. and made a plan and got in there mid-morning. And every day that we did that, we were always behind them. Mm-hmm. And we just couldn't get them to do anything. So that morning, it was like as soon as we glassed them, we had seen them on that face like six different times. Mm-hmm. And every time they go through this one little band of timber. So how's that thing? That's a weird looking buck. Yeah. Uh, cool. So we just went that morning we didn't we didn't waste no time. We just bulldozed yeah. up that hill and got right up there. I mean, we got up there in, in thirty minutes and then spent the next two hours creeping around in that timber, basically waiting for the elk to come to us. time of the day i think is is something that i'm just interested in in general like paying more attention to and and one of the other reasons is as i look back at the the first year with ted and cody in 2019 where we always would have better action our best action that year was right in the morning or right at last light yeah and we all and, and then i mean that even happened on the day that we killed the one mm-hmm. it was all it all happened before nine thirty. it was all over i mean basically every time that something there was only a couple days that we had midday there was actually only one day that we had one bull come in one midday mm-hmm. everything else was like first light or last light yeah and that was and i just find that interesting and i think that might be part of the problem is like the midday madness here's what i think that means to me is you're in the middle of the timber, you're moving, you're moving, you're moving, then all of a sudden, boom, you hit a lone bull that's yep. probably been cruising looking for cows, and all of a sudden he hears one bugle, and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to test my luck. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to go in there and see if I can win this fighter. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to see if I can swoop a cow or whatever. And he comes in with a different attitude versus the bull that you heard bed or glassed up, go to bed with a bunch of cows. He's already got his cows. That bull's in a completely different mood. He's almost more in roundup defensive mood where he doesn't want to have to deal with you versus that bull that's alone in the dark timber, been cruising all morning, hears you. And then he's like, well, I need to get up there and have a cow. Why fight when you've already got the cows? Oh, yeah, they just push them away most of the time. Yeah, and especially middle of the day, like, that's not when Occasionally, it, it works out differently than that, but, like, that f- finally on that day when, when Cody got in the dark timber and he guaranteed that, that morning, he's like, we're going to call in elk today for mm-hmm. sure. We hit the first bull, and he did not come straight in. He bugled out of his bed, and we eventually snuck up there close enough where we could see him. And he seemed and he alone, was, right? He was alone. Yeah. But he just was not, it was September 8th, 9th. Yeah, probably right around there. He just wasn't ready. Like, he he just wasn't that fired up. He was bugling at us, wanting us to come over there. Mm -hmm. And he was not going to come in. He was hung up like a turkey. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. 
Like he just and had his spot where he was comfortable. You filmed him some. Yeah, kind of yeah. I yeah. he got up and just started like feeding yeah. and, and you breaking were sneaking some trees. In. Yeah, yeah, I got within thirty-five yards of him. It was just so the the timber was so tight I couldn't get an open mm-hmm. shot. And oh. eventually he just he gave up on it. He didn't like it. Uh, he smelled us or he saw me or something, and he just turned and eased off the other way. And we went in hot pursuit after him. Made it. You know, this is an hour later, and Cody's bugling and cow calling, trying to get him to bugle again, and all of a sudden, just real faintly, up in the dark timber, opposite direction, we hear, we hear a bugle, and we all heard it at the same time. So we start going. We just we listened again. A couple minutes went by. We heard it again. It's deep, way in there. So we marked him, and we started in hot pursuit. And we got up there within 20 minutes, and – he bugled again maybe 300 yards away and within a minute and a half he was at 40 yards mm-hmm. he was he didn't even bugle again mm-hmm. he was just walking to straight to us the entire time and i almost killed that one yeah i got the full draw on him and just same situation as the first one basically as it's too thick yeah I he's the one that's kind shot. of sneaking in yeah he's weird. sneaking in yeah. and raking like a tree that. a little bit uh, but he's weird acting though. weird <laughs> yeah it's kind of cool yeah. though you know <laughs> the footage of that's sweet yeah, he was acting a little weird, and we did not have time to get the wind right. It was just set up that was thrown together real fast. But that was a that second bull was a real good example of like cruising through dark mm-hmm. timber, just hitting one, and him being interested yeah. immediately. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. a cruising bull. Yeah, the one that there's one that I really think of a lot as like the classic example in my head of a cruising bull. Very similar story is we were up, um, we had hunted the one the night before where we bumped him a couple a, like when remember the time that we were calling to the one and we could see him raking and i was about to draw and cody and west pu- pulled yeah. up on us too uh-huh. hot and they bumped him yeah. and then we kept moving up and yep. seeing him well we camped in a bunch of blowdown that yeah, night i remember this one we woke up the next morning i sent an arrow mm-hmm. off the mountain yeah, that's, that's when I <laughs> to start the day. When, just like the day prior, Zach Sandow had asked me. He's like, "When you draw back, practice draw. You always put your finger in front of the trigger." And I'm just like, "Yeah, I mean, I've never, I mean, I've never had an issue with it." So I'm practice drawing like the next day, and I got my full bow, full draw, and I do a weird hitch. <laughs> I, hitch yeah. I sent one going down through there. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid. I felt like an idiot after that. I was pretty flustered but anyway we luckily hadn't i didn't even think we'd heard anything we packed up camp and cody literally turns around bugles in one response like right on you know the perfect spot we need him to be he sounds like he's coming up the mountain oh yeah but he's a ways in there yet yeah and we really didn't go i don't remember going terribly far no, like we did a few hundred yards yeah. tops that's about it and all of a sudden he bugled and it was like, whoa, like he he's come. like, he's like 150 yards or hundred yards. I remember there was that one bugle where we were like, whoa, mm-hmm. like he just cut a ton of distance. And, uh, he, he basically then just the mistake there is we probably sh- should have been higher up just a yeah. smidge. Cause he, that's what he did. He got he up went above high us and he looked down and we tried making some moves on that one a little bit more aggressively, but he, you know, he don't think he ever saw us or even smelled us. He just kind of made a circle around us and just kept moving. Maybe, maybe he 
spooked and we don't know and I don't know it but I don't remember yeah, feeling I don't think like so. he just kind of kept just moving on his way up the mountain he was alone and that was a very similar situation where like you know how do you how else do you kill that bull even yeah and really he's like you almost have to call to him and let him know because if he's just flying up the mountain and actually the one that we killed um that year Ben and when Ben and Colin and I were together that elk we had specifically got up like we had planned on hiking in the night before and camping at this one particular spot where just like you would want to be for a turkey hunt first thing in the morning where you can hear everything below you there was a couple fingers we're on this like isolated ridge with a really major saddle that went to a different mountain and below us you could hear these finger ridges and you could hear that saddle woke up that morning and ben was like i think i might have just heard something so we like pack up camp and we're standing there at gray light and the bull bugles and he's like kind of over here well we don't even really do anything and he bugles again and he's like right oh, down yeah. the ri- like i mean he's i'm but talking you're already in position we're already in on, position on a lot of these deals that's what the common theme is i mm-hmm. see is like you're you're already in position to intercept that cruising bull essentially so when you're calling you're you're anticipating that if he bugles in the spot where i hope he is i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to make the move and be in the right spot so that i have the wind in my favor and everything Mm -hmm. yeah and he there's there's a lot that goes those are the ones that seem that's what that's the common theme here that i think if there is one in our elk hunts it's like man it seems like it's it it's almost a combination of scouting, anticipation, and all those things mm-hmm. that all sort of comes together, and then you you slowly move into position to kill them. So I'm, um, I mean, and that's what I think you guys did on that hunt. You correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but that's he, he, what it sounded like. Yeah, is, he basically just he basically was below us. We had the high ground. Yeah, and we had the we had the easy move. He was doing the crazy stuff. He was actually going up and over parallel finger ridges and we were on top and we still couldn't catch his ass he was going up and over and then we'd be like we'd move up and we'd bugle to try to locate him and he'd bugle again and he'd be like on the next finger it's like how is he going that and then eventually fast? he turned around and eventually we caught him kind of at the, where that ridge dropped yeah. off and i'm assuming he was either going to bed or cut back up the saddle but he was going over those, and we were going across the top. That big saddle was to our left. He was either going to go to the end of that ridge and turn around or bed out there, and we eventually caught him. And we, even in that situation, what, what was different is the timing. It's 8 in the morning. We're cow calling a little bit more. We're cow calling. And then it was interesting. He would bugle. If you go back and you watch that, he would bugle at the cow call. And then I would bugle, and then he would bugle again. And we just kept moving in. And, I, I mean, I remember it was like, it was the first morning that I, we were in there since, um, it was the first morning with Ben and Colin. I had been hunting with Cody and Ted and Wes and Zach some, and those guys had more experience. And I was just like, I remember being with Ben and Colin and just be like, it feels right to just go right is just keep going closer to him so we just kept going closer and hit a point where he bugled and it was like okay this is where we need to be we're at the head of a little ditch wind was perfect sun was you know just behind us hitting the hillside rising it up and he had to come around that ditch so he's gonna end up right there and uh you know 
he heard him raking like crazy, making a bunch of noise, and then he kind of went silent for a while, and I started getting antsy. And I, you know, in, in my memory, it was forever that he didn't bugle, and then when I watched the footage later, I was just like, oh, it was like, you know, the five minutes, but I was just, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. high-intensity moment, and I cow-called, cow-called, and he bugled, and he was like, okay, like right he's, and Ben saw him. Yeah. And then he just came right around. But but the whole point with that th- that story even is, is that that bull was also cruising. He yeah. was moving. We didn't have him like bedded in the time of the day, man. That's a, that's a part to me that I look back and I'm like, why didn't I think about that more? It's like okay, that's you when ask, they're moving the most. Yeah, and you yeah. ask any deer hunter, when's the best time to hunt? Yeah. First hour and last hour. Why the hell would it be any different for elk? Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like. <laughs> but I never even. But I just, you know, I kept thinking, I think last year, at least in my head, I was always thinking like, well, that we, we can get to them right now. Let's go to them right now. And then we'd go in and play it just exactly like you would on other past experiences. But that's a, that's a, that's the whole point that's exciting to me, too, about the different years that I've been out there is every every time there's been a lot learned because yeah. every situation is just so much different. Like every yeah. call in, every, every we time had you something hear like one. that in Arizona when me and Mike and Drew were there. Yeah. We moved in on a bull that had several cows with him and another hunter actually came in and bumped him as we were moving in on him. We looked up and like the thing bugles at a hundred yards and we're getting ready to come around a bush and see him. And I looked to my left and there's a guy stalking in there. And about that time, they all flushed off the point of the ridge and took off and went down through a canyon. We caught up with them a, a mid-morning, maybe 45 minutes later, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, another bull bugles way over here to the left. And he comes by us two or 300 yards away. He's answering us every time, but he's got no interest in coming in. And he literally goes and crosses this big ditch, goes through this herd of elk, um, the, the one bull is still in the same spot with all the cows bugling the entire time. They're answering each other and he, and he's walking. We can't see him. This is just in dark timber. Mm-hmm. He gets all the way on the other side of this ditch where we can barely hear him. And I don't remember if I cow called or bugled or what, and he answered again, but he'd been answering mm-hmm. and we didn't think anything of it. It's like, well, he's just going to keep going. So we kept going at the, the herd bull and the cows and Five minutes later, this thing bugles, and he's right here. Mm-hmm. He just literally walked like a mile and then turned around, and he came right back to us. <laughs> and we, we hustled up, got at a tree, and as soon as I got to the tree, I could see his antlers coming over the hill, and he came by at like 50 yards, and he stopped for maybe five seconds, looked up there, and he just kept walking. Mm-hmm. Bugled three or four more times until we just couldn't even hear him anymore. So that's all he was doing was just looping through there. If mm-hmm. we would have... If we'd have been in a slightly different position, we might have been able to kill him. It's but. crazy to think about how quickly they can just make that move to go check it out. Like if I think about, I compare it to the buck you killed this year, Jake, is that buck, he'd hear something on the other side of the ridge and in a heartbeat, he was running and making this hundred yard loop and going and checking out the other side of the hill. It's like, think about an elk. It's just like, make that a bigger loop uh-huh. and he could just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead of going a couple hundred yards on a loop, he went two and a half miles. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to run two miles Holy real fast. Crap, that was really far away. Yeah. Pretty steep too, probably. That's oh, the craziest yeah. thing is they can just go up to, you know, there's however big and they just 
you're looking at something like how would you, would you even get up there and they just i mean it, I don't know that they always get up there necessarily, no problem, but if they can get up it if they need to. Like yeah. when we spooked that pretty big group, it's just like, <laughs> oh, there they go. <laughs> there they go. It's like, you watch them. It's like when you it just spook sounds like a rock fall. You yep. just have so much time to watch the spook. <laughs> it's not like a deer. Like when you spook them, it's like, oh, I just saw him for literally two tenths of a second and that's it. <laughs> like some of these occasions, you just literally bump them and then you watch them for the next 15 minutes as they yeah. run miles and miles yeah. away. Well, these are just trying to get <laughs> like straight up a sheer cliff and it's just like we're watching i don't know there's probably 15 20 of them there's oh, just yeah. big rocks that they're kicking down the mountain towards <laughs> us and it and sounds big, so and, funny and finally big boy comes up it's like cow 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 you know and they're all doing all right it seems like they're a little tired but then and the big boys up there. comes up and he's just like chug 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 and he's like why are we doing this just like a like a dog that's real tired yeah. but like his tongue's hanging out his mouth is panting up there mouth's open and he's He's just like, uh, like, like, why, why? He's kind of even looking. Like, I don't even think that we probably spooked him. I think we yeah. spooked oh, cows. They're not he's, sharp when they're He's warm. not real sure why we're <laughs> even going up here, but the cows seemed like they were more alert, and he just was like. That's what I following. noticed going with Cody is like, man, you're always, always moving around when the elk are just right there in plain sight. Yeah. But when you get in the middle of them, when they're rutting, and they're dealing with those cows. They are, they're half dumb. Drunk, or man. More. They're mm-hmm. just like drunk. It's just like, like a, I mean, even, I, I do even, I mean, everybody knows that a, a, like a white tail with a doe gets pretty silly. But I even think that I've, I've seen times where like a turkey yeah. gets that way, where they're just strutting they're so, so focused much on that those hands not, that they. And they're strutting the whole time. And it's the same thing with a, a rutting bull. It's well, like, just think about being an elk size, too, especially if you're not in grizzly country. Something's like, what what's, yeah, what's messing with them just when they hunters. got antlers on their head? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just hunters. Oh, yeah. Right before me and Ted shot that bull in Wyoming, he looked right at Cody and Tyler. <laughs> like, he, he looks right at them. He's like 20 yards from them. And then he looks over at the cows, which are nervous because they see us because they literally oh, popped yeah. up at 20 yards. And me and Ted had to move six, eight feet oh, yeah. with them at 20 yards. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> see, that was what we'd learned from that deal earlier in the hunt. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, we need to just Do stand here and watch most. this happen and not get yeah. a shot. Or we can make take the risk. And if we don't spook them, we might be in the right position. So it's like, just get to the right position, no matter what. So we did that, and then he came right over the hill, looked right at Cody and Tyler, and then started glunking and walking right at the damn cows. <laughs> I mean, and our wind is almost blowing right at him at that point. Mm-hmm. Literally nothing would have mattered. If the, mm-hmm. As long as the cows stood there in that little pod at 20 yards, mm-hmm. yeah, he wasn't going nowhere until that arrow went through him. Like, he wasn't going to leave them. And nope. even then, son couldn't go <sighs> no far. <laughs> Being on the side of that hill that morning with him creeping through those woods, like at one time in the footage, he, you hear him say, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> and it's like, it's it wasn't just an experience that was five minutes long. It was literally an hour and a half yeah, of that. All morning. It was just nothing but nonstop we spooked, action. We spooked a bull right off the bat, too. Heck called yeah. Him, called him in. He was coming down the mountain to us. And bulldozed up there, got in the wrong spot, and just yeah, terrible. We got underneath of him. He yeah. got above us, and he smelled us. It was just ridiculous. Went back, and we were ticked off, and it's like, no, we're going to slow play this next one. These suckers are coming up 
We got mm-hmm. two more right below us here with a bunch of cows. They're coming through this gap within 150 yards of us. All we got to do is wait until they get closer and then just ease in there. And then it was just amazing after that. We were just tiptoeing around those woods. That's the thing that you don't see in the video is those cows come up and then that bull comes underneath some stuff and, and just screams right there in Tyler's camera when he's filming him at 25 yards. Mm-hmm. But the whole time that's happening, me and Ted are, like, walking mm-hmm. up the path, mm-hmm. like, just down to the right. The cows are staring right at us, but there's so much crap going on between Cody calling, then more elk on the other side of us that they are looking through the timber that they can see, and then, obviously, this bull that is – harassing these cows so the cows are looking at us but they're also trying to to keep away from him and they're basically right in between us and him Mm -hmm. like the bulls on the other side of them we're on the on and the cows are right Right. in between yeah so just being patient and waiting until he gave us a chance but i think though the the moving thing is is just an interesting uh part of the mistakes or things you look back on and it's like i would say obviously you always got to be careful and don't be stupid like if they're looking right at you if a bull's looking right at you it'd probably not move but it's like you also like you said this is like you got to get there you got to get to the right position and it, it definitely makes a big like just a couple inches in that in that type of timber can make a huge difference oh, yeah, where you're, if you're not in the right position and that's the thing you realize that is your advantage that mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. and once you learn that you can use that because you're not tied to a tree or something right. like that and on this case we're on like a dirt path mm-hmm. basically through these these woods is an old horse trail yeah mm-hmm. and we could move up and down that thing relatively quietly yeah mm-hmm. yep. And that's what we did. We just went up and down and back and forth and just constantly repositioning on whichever elk we thought we were about to get a shot at. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're dealing with a bunch of elk, you can even get away with some no- – you oh, can get yeah. away with quite a bit of noise because they're making so oh, much yeah. noise. They were, uh, they were going ham. Breaking stuff and even that too. But mm-hmm. What, are you ready to bed down, Nicholas? I'm ready to do whatever. Man, he's ready. Uh, yeah, it's twelve eighteen. Oh, well, it's quick little half hour pack. <laughs> yeah. Quick little half hour podcast. Dude, we'll we your I, I pretty much guarantee we could do this till three a.m. <laughs> I almost guarantee it. Uh, well, I mean, we talked for thirty minutes before we turned the dang recorder. Well, here's on. the funniest part too: <laughs> is it always happens. It always happens. Every time you stop recording, it's just like, you know, and. I'll tell you what, that the second to last day, you know, it's yeah. just like the next story comes out. It's like you could uh, never, you'd never even have to stop recording. That's the behind the scenes of every podcast is there's always another story. Well, before we wrap up those, like, what do you, what did you, what have you learned up to this point that will either change? Uh, I guess that's the word. Well, well, what have you learned up to this point that will change the way that you go elk hunting the next time? I think for me, it would be, it's it's going to depend a little bit on the situation and where you're hunting, what habitat, darker timber, going to be more aggressive and calling and move as much as, you know, just try to cover ground to find the bull. Um, in situations where you can see or get a really good vantage and hear where they're going to bed, like what we did last year, just probably get in there and just be quiet for most of the day. Like not like ease in there, take your time and slow in there. But if you get in there at 
two o'clock and you're a couple hundred yards from him, maybe sit down, eat, you know, eat a snack, whatever, hang out a little bit. And then as prime time starts to come in, then you can start to, you know, as you get closer to that prime time, you know, maybe just play it. Or just if you're going to call, just in general, middle of the day, take her easy. You know, don't go blasting bugles. Even though that's what I had done prior to that and had good success with calling elk in that way, that's what we did last year, and I feel like I don't, I don't, in that exact situation, again, want to do that, go in blasting, just want to play it slow. And then just, again, taking advantage of timing of the day, I think is a big part of what um, I overlooked um, in the last couple of years is just first light, last light's important. Jake, do you have anything to add to that? Um, you kind of, I think maybe you said something about it earlier, Aaron. Thing I noticed when I went with Ted that first year is like he knew like that there was going to be elk in the spot that we were going to. I think he had hunted it before. If he hadn't, though, somebody he he knew had. So he was real cautious. Like the first couple of days going in there is just like if you were hunting a piece of private for whitetails, it's just like as long as you don't mess with them and that this isn't going to be the case everywhere i mean a lot of places you got to worry about other people coming in there and messing it up but if you find a herd elk that it doesn't seem like many people are messing with you can they're going to be there for until you spook them basically or unless the weather drastically changes or something but i mean me and ted hunted the same little drainage the whole 10 days i was out there with them and we didn't spook a lot of elk and if anything there was just more elk in there by the time we left i thought that was pretty interesting that's what happened with us on that bench where we killed too, mm-hmm. Wyoming. It's more and more. It's more, more and more of. That's what I would say. I would, you know, it depends but on the situation. But there was times where like Ted would, like I would have never done this, but just his experience and you know style of hunting and part partly I'd imagine his age is just like we would leave elk where I would. I mean, they're still even bugling a little bit, but our chances of getting on, you know, they're just constantly moving away where mm-hmm. we just were never going to catch them and then we were hunting grizzly country there's just a combination of a bunch of things but yeah there was times where we would leave elk and i was just like oh man i would never do that but then you know he eventually kills and i mean we got a lot of opportunities while i was there and then the day after or two after i left he killed one if you have the uh, advantage of time yeah and you're there and you find them pretty early in your trip or uh-huh. your hunt and they're not getting harassed by people that's what i've that's the common thing that i've seen it's mm-hmm. like they're not that yes, they traverse the landscape a lot differently than a deer does because they use such a giant portion of it. But they'll stay in the same. Yeah, areas. it's like if, if it's like, it's sim- that that's one thing that's similar to a turkey. It's like if a turkey's roosted somewhere, you, you know, you're on a high point where you can hear, you know, and you think you're going to hear a turkey, you hear him. If you get to that same high point the next morning, they might not be roosted in the same spot, but there's a good chance that you're going to yeah, hear that he same turkey with an ear shot. Here, but he's so still that's what the me same and Ted would do that first year. Right. It's just like we'd get somewhere high where we could should be able to hear elk, and like a lot of times, it's like oh, yep, they're still right down in the exact same spot where yeah. we and left them. And sometimes they may not even be the same elk, but for yeah. whatever reason, that spot right yep. now is yeah. holding elk, and they're it's using the it terrain. every day. Yeah, I think I think it's a couple of things. It's where the water is. And it's the way the terrain is. Like yeah. the one thing that is is also another thing that I've learned in, in my in my elk hunting is like 
Man, it's the dumbest one. It's so cliche, but don't overlook where the water is because they have to have water. They have unlike, to have it every day. Unlike other animals. They like, have to have it every they, single day. They are way more dependent on the water than, like, there's tons of stuff that looks like on a map. It's like, oh, that's good dark timber. It's north-facing. So if there ain't water and, like, a lot of it, they're not going to be there, mm-hmm. period. Like, they just aren't there, even close. Like, that's yeah. something that... You know, especially on year two, I felt like I learned a bit of the hard way where it was like, like it's so dry in here. We got to get out of here. Like we went into a unit one time and walked in there like five miles in there. And we were like, this whole place is way too dry. And just turn around and walk right back. Because yeah. <laughs> it was just like, this yeah. isn't worth no it. No water. Yeah. Yeah. They got to drink every day. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Well, white tail doesn't necessarily have to. I don't they think they survive do on, either. Yeah. They can just survive on eating plants that got some moisture in them but uh, elk's mm-hmm. got to have more than that because they're such a big animal like well, a cow they use almost. it to cool off yeah. and everything with the wallows and i just would think if i locate elk again like we've d- like we did in wyoming last time i'm gonna take my time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like i i think once you locate them then spend some time learning mm-hmm. just spend some time focusing on the details of where they're at you know maybe why they're there uh where they're headed in the morning where they're going in the evening mm-hmm. just a day or two i'm not talking like sit there for two three weeks. quarters yeah. of your trip <laughs> or anything but if you have the ability to get in there and learn something about how they're using that landscape then yeah or even learn about how the heck you can get in there without boogering them because that's something that i know we messed up a few times we went into an area that we have never set foot on once and we heard an elk bugle, and we just said, screw it. We're mm-hmm. going in. And then, then, then you get up there, and you're like 200 yards from him, and there's a giant, you know, face in front of you that's rock bluff mm-hmm. that you can't go up. It's like, well, okay, so now we've got to double back around the mountain. The entire time you're doing that, you're not hearing him. You're not watching him. You don't know what's going on. And then by the time you get up there, they've shut up. And the only intel that you ended up learning – was that initial two bugles and where mm-hmm. he was at. Other than that, you have no clue where if you would have sat back a little bit and you would have just paid attention mm-hmm. to the direction that he went, maybe even got eyes on him for a few minutes, you would have learned some valuable details, you know, that could have helped you mm-hmm. later on. Because that's what that's what killed that elk with us in Wyoming was um, them six days of us sitting on that rock mm-hmm. and watching for him over sure. there. Yeah. yeah, that's why I mean and that's a it? pretty unique situation. Yeah, but, but I, I think mean. but I think like again going back to what you learn, it's like there's you said it at the very beginning, Warb. There's like all this um, varying opinion on how you should hunt elk, and my opinion is is it totally just like any other form just of like hunting deer it's turkey situational situation. because yeah. it's like if you can glass them you're going to treat that different than if you're in the solid dark timber for infinite miles if you can if you're hearing bulls bugle and uh, you know more and it's going to be different than if you're early in the season and they're bachelored up it's going to be different if you know, they've got a whole harem of cows versus having four cows. I mean, every single situation just well, in that, you, you got to treat it differently. That's so the interesting part of it to me is if you're – Different styles, right, I think. A- absolutely. If you're if you're tuned in on learning how to do it all these different ways, you're going to have 
these tools in your toolbox mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. If you only learn how to do it one way really, really well, that's the only card you have to play. Mm-hmm. And you may get in a situation like we were in Wyoming where there just wasn't a lot of that dark timber. Mm-hmm. There was one section, and we burned yeah. through it in one day. Right. And then that was it. Yeah. And it was back to the drawing board again. Right. Cody so, was saying that the first day. He was like, man, I'm not used to being able to see right where they're at. Yeah, and, and deal almost, with these huge herds yeah. of 200 plus in one group. It's like, uh-huh. it's it's interesting because you it's constant action because you're always seeing elk. Mm-hmm. But you're dealing with these different variable challenges yeah. than if you're just in monotonous timber where mm-hmm. you use that one tactic and it works extremely well. So, yeah, just like what you just said, if you if you learn to use those those different styles and can apply those when necessary mm-hmm. um, down to the specific hunt even mm-hmm. – Oh yeah, I feel like that will help you. That'll help you read the situation better, so that you can better. Because there's just there's times when you gotta get in there, Mm -hmm. and you gotta be super aggressive and get right in their grill. Like there's totally there are moments when they're in that mood when you can strike when the iron is hot, just like a turkey. Yep. And then there are moments when it's almost impossible to kill that thing right now mm-hmm. in the next two or three hours. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because of the wind and the cows and mm-hmm. the, just the situation that he's in. It's like, think about that. And if it's, if it's one of those, maybe slow play a little bit mm-hmm. and just gather information mm-hmm. that will help you on the next one. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think it it's different too. If you hunt like, the same areas over and over again maybe the style you know if you if you read out your back door is you know nothing but dark timber you're going to definitely hunt more consistently one way than another probably but it's just you know if you hunt them in different areas which honestly for the few years we've done it the varying hunts like every story is really fun to me for me to listen yeah, to they're because they're so different, different. like mm-hmm. you in arizona and oh god a, it's, a different, it's completely all the diff- different down there yeah. and That's like we've hunted so dude. many areas in colorado now that it's like like it everyone's so different honestly like i feel like i've got extremes from like the top of mountains to the like the lowest elevation you could call an elk in on public land. You well, know, I mean, that, that stuff you guys are hunting in Colorado, we were talking about 12,000 feet, and I've seen the footage. Like, it's real steep, mm-hmm. and it's big country. Arizona's completely different. Right. Arizona's like, I mean, I hunt steeper stuff in turkey season <laughs> yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona's <laughs> Most of the like time. rolling hills. And <laughs> mm-hmm. in in it's mountainous. I mean, there's definitely mountains there, but the – just the steep terrain is not nothing like that. Mm-hmm. The elk still use the elevation to their advantage and bed up high. Right. But you may only be talking a difference of a few hundred feet. You may not yeah. even be able to see it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's fun comparing and contrasting the different situations, how, they, how they're similar and how they're different. Mm-hmm. Jake says it's bedtime, so. Oh, no, no. Good night. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Get them pugs off now, boy.